Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, we're going to talk about, well, you know what we talk about. We talk about demand generation, and I'm going to be joined by a guest in just a moment. But I want to take a moment, if you guys have not uh, tuned in on the YouTube channel, I know a lot of you guys listen to us on the podcast, which is awesome, your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, uh, we're on iHeart, all the leading podcast apps. But we also have our YouTube channel, which the fastest way to get there is demandgen.tv. So if you want to see us and watch me and my guest, you're welcome to tune in there. Be sure to click uh, on subscribe button with notifications turned on so you can find your way back to the channel if you haven't been there before. We also on the YouTube channel cover demos of some of the leading marketing technologies as well as marketing technologies and sales technologies that I've discovered that maybe you haven't seen uh, before. So thanks for tuning in today, whether it's on the podcast app or on, on YouTube. And let's jump into our episode. Ken, good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, David, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. Like I, I think I was saying, I'm I'm about 24 hours from a little extended PTO. So I am looking uh, forward to tomorrow and heading to Las Vegas, where uh, I'm going to the iHeart Music Festival with my wife. And I haven't been to a you know public venue in a long time. I don't think many, many of us have. So it'll be an experience, no, no doubt. And, and you said you have a Disneyland trip coming up, right? Yeah, that's right. Looking forward to it. November, but, uh, you know, uh, still something to look forward to. So. Yeah, that'll, that'll go by fast. Yeah. Well, gang, uh, Ken and I have known each other for a long time. I think we met Ken first back in, in 2009 when you were at WebRoot uh, and we did some work together. You guys were using Eloqua at that time and you moved over to Trinet, which, uh, you know, Ken, Ken's been in demand generation and marketing for a long time. Uh, interesting factoid. My my daughter worked at Trinet for a couple of years in marketing operations, but uh, not at the same time. But thanks for thanks for joining me, Ken. Today, uh, you know, for the last uh, what about four and a half years, you've been at Uma. <laughs> you guys have a new new commercial coming out, emphasizing the Uma. That's right. That's right. You know, it's not it's not Oma, right? It's Uma. Uma. <laughs> Or you are the the VP of of marketing there. So why don't we? Um, I got a question for you that I've never asked because we have known each other for a while. How did you get into marketing in the first place? Where was wow. where was that? Where was that in your in your origin story? How that happened? Well, so I I, I was a latchkey kid uh, when I was growing up, and so uh, so when I grew, you know, I'd get home. I'd, turn on the tube and I'm watching the A-Team. I'm watching, uh, you know, Wonder Woman with Linda Carter. I'm watching, you know, the 80s uh, genre of cartoons back then. Yeah. And I think I just got way too, um, you know, um, enamored with just watching the commercials on those on those screens. And so growing up, uh, I think from there, uh, I actually knew I wanted to be in marketing when I was a junior in high school. Sucked at math didn't have the diligence to be, you know, you know, uh, the, you know, the lawyer or the doctor that all parents want their kids to be right. But I was really good with relationships. 
Yeah. And so for me, when I think about uh, when I think about, you know, the career options back then and the fact that I just love marketing, I just mm -hmm. loved how, you know, images and, you know, just messaging could, you know, try to get you to buy a product. Uh, I knew I knew I knew then that uh, marketing was going to be my, you know, my career. Going yeah, forward, so. that's cool. I, I started in computer science and um, realized that I maybe kind of in what you're saying, like the guys that were in the programming lab next to me. I remember I used to work on video games a lot. I like to make video games and the math required for just ball trajectory, or I used to make these like 3d, you know, line, uh, based dungeon crawling games. And just right. to do the math on all the, the tunnels and that type of stuff was really, really hard, uh, for me. I learned a lot about math more than I did in the classroom by doing that, but it switched into business and, and got a emphasis in, in marketing. And back then, it was the art of marketing. I mean, marketing was very much an arts and crafts department, the brand, uh, like you said, commercials, radio spots, billboards, yellow pages. I don't even know if they still make a yellow pages anymore. <laughs> but... YP.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. And, and so both you and I have been on a journey where we have been through the evolution of marketing. And I want to talk today about you know, for you running the B2B side, you know, as VP of marketing there at, at UMA, uh, just, just what that's like and where you're focused these days. Um, you know, Ken, I remember when we got on and for those that, that are listening to the podcast, they can't see this, but over my back right shoulder, there's a number of caricatures. I've got Iron Man, I've got Wonder Woman, I've got Black Panther. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got to even have Darth Vader. I mean, Darth's a hero to, to some, but all those remind me every day of two things. One is the mission of our group and of our company that, you know, to make marketing heroes. Uh, but also when you and I were chatting, you, you had a viewpoint of where marketing should be or is in organizations. And I, I'd love for you to share that with everybody. Yeah. You know, um, it, it is interesting, right? Just the evolution of marketing over the years. And the soon, you know, as soon as we were able to start uh, tracking a click, the the eventuality in terms of measuring the marketing effectiveness down to an actual deal was really gonna you know you know you could see it coming down the line right and so when I think about when I think about what marketing has to do if it's not generating revenue then then what is the point of marketing right and uh, and when you're generating revenue you you have a lot of core partners uh, but from my experience in my opinion if, if you're not you know, knocking on the sales door the moment you enter any organization and and getting the input from sales just in terms of what is working what is not working you know what are messaging points that customers are liking or not liking then then you're missing an opportunity to really give your marketing programs a head start and what event you know the eventuality of 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 seeing marketing programs become more effective, it's almost a given in my mind when you when you lead off with that, and uh, and then you start to get into the wheelhouse where sales, where we all know sales loves, right? Giving them the the Glengarry Glen leads, right? Where you know they're just closing everything on the spot, and um, and when you get that input from sales, and then you you, know, you take your programs and you craft them to how prospects are reacting to some of that input. And then you generate the leads that they're expecting, 
then everyone's happy. Right. right? Yeah. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see where marketing ends up, you know, a decade from now, in t- just in terms of, you know, will certain things in the traditional sales motion be dead? So mm-hmm. to speak, like, for example, like outbound calling and, you know, things of that nature, I, you know, my, my opinion, I don't think all of those things will go by the wayside, but I think the, the contribution of marketing is just going to continue to grow and grow because of all of the touch points that every single one of us interact with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And then all of those are, you know, driven, tracked message through marketing. Right. So. I wonder if, if, if marketing is responsible for driving revenue, being the hero, do we see any inequality in compensation? I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, the, the head of sales, from my experience, what I see out there, uh, typically out earns the head of marketing in most organizations, uh, certainly in, in B2B. And so when will we, I've had Michael King from, from King Recruiting on the program several times, and we often do a session each year on kind of like what, what, what marketing is earning these days. And I'm curious your perspective that, you know, if marketing is going to get uh, or is the hero for driving revenue and that's the direction that organizations have been moving, some are still catching up or marketing's not quite there yet or marketing leadership isn't there. But are we seeing compensation plans that are commensurate with the response? I mean, if you're a hundred million dollar company and, and marketing's driving 50% or more of the sourced revenue and influence, is marketing tied and compensated in that way? Any, any yeah, perspective on a, that? Yeah, that's an interesting question, David. And uh, when I think about that too, I think I, I think a lot of marketers are hesitant towards that because in their mind, they became a marketer to market, which is kind of interesting in terms of they didn't become a sales professional where they have that feeling and that commitment of a quota hanging over their head. There's a lot of pressure in that, right? And so being able to hit goals consistently to then drive that income, if most of your income is going to be based off of a, a variable comp piece of it, I think, I think most marketers just by nature are a little bit, uh, it's, it's not in their nature, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But for the marketers that have that confidence where, you know, they, in or, any organization they go to, they have their playbook. Yeah. And they know what to look for in terms of how to generate uh, more leads. Yeah, they know they know how to read the room. They know um, how to read the market. Mm-hmm. Tap into generating more through tapping into either the market demand that's out there, right, or tapping into the brand demand that the company has been generating. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be, I, you know, would would I actually uh, welcome that? I think actually I would. Um, I'm at that stage where, you know, in my career, I feel pretty confident coming into an organization with, with what I know to generate the revenue, right? And oh, then to make that part of the compensation plan. It's why I wanted to have the conversation because I wanted both of us to go through that thought process and everyone in the Dimension radio community to do it because I'm so glad to hear you say what you said because I feel the same way. That if I was back running marketing or even head of demand generation, I would want my compensation tied to the contribution that I can directly make. Now let's talk about the role of marketing because not everything we do in marketing is tied to revenue. What I mean by that is you might be working on uh, employee onboarding 
uh, materials and programs. Uh, you might be working on uh, events that are not necessarily just customer or prospect events. Marketing is often called in to help HR uh, when there's employee events and that type of stuff. And there's certainly lots of stuff that we do in marketing that's not directly connected to a demand creation or demand management or demand expansion program. It's a big job, which to me is why the base salary uh, should be commensurate with the enormity of the role these days. And let's face it, when where you and I started the conversation today of the art of marketing and branding and messaging, positioning and awareness and interest we now have responsibility for desire and action pretty much ever since the advent of the, of the web. So I, I would want a large component of my compensation to be tied to driving revenue because I'm going to do it in my role. Uh, I'm responsible for it in, in, in our roles and therefore why not get tied to it? So something to think about is, you know, we're approaching the, the end of the calendar year and compensation plans are, um, being discussed and planned for people on a calendar cycle. But also if you're thinking about making a career move, have a conversation. Cause if you're like Ken and you're confident in your abilities to drive growth and drive revenue and be that hero within an organization, why not get paid what you should for it? And well, let's, let's see how things, I'm happy to be one of the champions for, uh, you know, inequality that's happening between sales comp and, and marketing comp. Um, I, I, I do think just to interject one more comment, yeah. there, David, it, I, I, I do think it also, um, there's an aspect of the product that you're selling plays into it, right? I think for certain sales motions uh, where you're targeting micro SMBs, where the sales mo motion is like a prosumer, right? And it can be pretty seamless in terms of, you know, the buyer's journey where they become aware, they do express that interest, they do act on that interest, and then that deals close where more, where more of that buyer's journey is on the marketing side and with less sales touch points, certain enterprise situations, you know, selling motions where you know, there needs to be a sales rep managing that deal to see it through. That's where I do think there still should still be a revenue component of it, but at a lesser degree, right? Because there is that sales, sales and marketing relationship where, you know, um, you know, from my perspective in terms of, I wouldn't want 100% of my variable comp uh, up to that sales rep, right? Because right. who knows who knows the quality of that sales rep, that sales leader, so on and so forth. And so the sales motion, I think, plays into thinking about, okay, do I want to enter in, in the situation where part of my comp is based off a of variable comp, right? Yeah. So I think it's a good it's a good topic of discussion. It's just watch the the Raider game. You know, as the football season you know kick yeah. off, and 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 any football team, you think about the dependency that the offense has on defense and defense has on offense to win the game. And, you know, if we can focus a little bit today on that, that sales and marketing relationship, I know, which is a big passion of yours. What you're saying is, I don't know if I want to, you know, put my livelihood and depend on that team. However, that team depends on us because if yeah. we in marketing don't do what we need to do and have a revenue centric uh, focus in terms of, of growth for the business, uh, we're not going to get there together. We're not going to hit the hit those annual goals. Tell me about the relationship with sales. Just just your your viewpoint and what some of the things that you've done to ensure a healthy relationship there. Well, I'll name drop uh, my most favorite sales leader in my career, uh, John Turner, JT uh, at Trinet. Um, he moved on from there to um, to a Google startup called 
Chronicle, and now he's somewhere else now. But uh, I think I think what he instilled, uh, not only amongst the marketing team, but across the sales organization, were just fantastic principles, just in terms of sales and marketing relationship. Sales and marketing was one word uh, at Trinet, and uh, it is one word currently here at UMA as well. And as I look back at my career, every time I wanted to generate more revenue, it's always began with that sales relationship. And so it, uh, it, it's critical, right? Uh, is that, that trust component that you, you just mentioned, David, it, it, needs to be, it needs to be expressed and it needs to be demonstrated, right? And the way that JT demonstrated it was right off the bat, inviting marketing as part of the panels in their QBRs. Mm-hmm. And so in my career at Trinet, you know, over the six and a half years there, probably over 120 QBRs going across the nation um, as part of evaluating how productivity was being driven in each sales market. And, and at the same token, the reverse, you know, it, it has to be a two-way street where JT was looking into every single marketing metric. And uh, trying to understand the levers so that we continue to grow. And in doing so, when you understand those levers, you start to understand, okay, well, you know what? This area, this vertical is growing. This geo is growing. I'm going to need to place, you know, 10 more reps here, take out maybe three reps from this market, move them on, uh, think about different sales motions. Maybe we need less inside and more field so on and so forth. And you can't get that kind of level of insight in terms of planning for growth, especially when you want to go from 200 to 650 million mm-hmm. um, over the time that I was there. Um, uh, when you want to achieve that kind of growth, you, you can't get it with that kind of that all of those data inputs speeding you to, to make those to make those calls. Right. So it sounds sounds like you had a, a really good and healthy relationship with JT and then felt like you said, as, as one team uh, there at Trinet. How does marketing kind of move towards sales and sales move to marketing and, and make that a more synergistic uh, teamwork? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you one example um, where in, in terms of in, in terms of making um, or bridging that relationship, I think it's all about transparency. I think uh, I think there's still this hesitation in terms of opening the kimono, so to speak, right? Uh, These are my budgets. These are what I'm expecting my budgets to do. These are the programs that I'm investing in. And these are the leads that we're looking to generate. And when you don't share that level of information and you just basically have a planning meeting where you basically say, yeah, we're going to drive X amount of leads through, you know, XXX mm-hmm. and uh, we're expecting them to convert at X and, you know, get, get Y. It's, it's not enough. It's not enough trust building in terms of, okay, tell me more. And by the same token, what I look for in terms of sales leaders that I collaborate with is that same level of, okay, well, here's how we're looking to plan and, uh, and grow our sales organization. Here is, here is how we're looking to take SDRs to inside sales reps, to outbound reps, to field reps. Here's how we're looking to compensate based off of lead sources, based mm-hmm. off of you know, deal sizes. 
here's how we're looking to, you know, quite frankly, just do anything just in terms of sh information sharing, right? And I think once you actually reach that stage of informa information sharing where, um, you know, I, I, so the term of, you know, the single source of truth is kind of a wonky, you know, a wonky uh, phrase that has evolved over the years. Um, but in general, because, you know, you, any one of us can take a data slice from Salesforce and then cut it to how we want it to articulate the story. Yeah. But, but I think so long as we all have access to that source so that we can understand it and, and pivot and look at the prism and the, the prism of data to, to understand what's been going on, then, then we're all on the same playing field. And I think the evolution, not to, die, not to go into another area, but the evolution of how RevOps organizations have been birthed to also be that bridge where everybody is coming to one sort of organization where everyone has seen all of the same data and then can make their assessments of it is another path to, to, uh, to reaching transparency. Yeah, so, really, they you know. definitely don't want to have a territorial view and, and trying to you know be the person that takes the full credit for the deal, right? Back to the football analogy, if the, if the offense moves the ball all the way down the field and gets into the red zone, uh, but somehow doesn't convert, and then the ball, whatever reason, let's say turned over there, and then the defense pulls off some magic play and and you know scores uh, by by downing the quarterback in the end zone. You know who got the ball down there? Who who did the score? Right? If you, right. I and I, I'm trying to use like you know an example of coming back to football because I do sometimes see those discussions among our clients and certainly my experience of like, well, that that was really sourced by marketing. Well. That was sourced by marketing a year ago, but then we worked it in sales here. So we were, it was like that, that's not the philosophy to have yeah. you, as soon as you start yeah. trying to go that territorial, um, you know, who won the deal and where the deal should be credited to you, you failed just culturally. I completely agree. And, you know, I would say, do most CEOs actually even care because what we're after are the revenue numbers, mm -hmm. right? And if the revenue numbers are all where we want them to be in terms of the forecast from a planning perspective, yeah, does marketing need to have an understanding of, okay, you know, what programs were driving more clicks that were driving more leads, right? Yeah. And yeah, okay, maybe this lead did close a year later, but at the end of the day, it's information for, from my perspective for marketing to help plan out future programs, yeah. right? And so, um, and so when I think about that situation where, a, you know, a tier one metrics that reach the C-suite, do they really care? No, mm -hmm. typically sales and marketing is one line on the income sheet anyways, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. well, that's why we've talked on the, on the podcast a lot about two important relationships for every marketing leader to have within an organization. One is with sales, which is what we're talking about, Ken. The other is the CFO. Now, if you have the heart and mind of your CFO and your head of sales and assume the company's hitting its its numbers, CEO is really happy with marketing because those other two lieutenants are saying good things about what marketing is doing. And and then the exact opposite is true, right? Yeah. If if sales does not think that marketing uh, as as an extension of the team is making its contribution, um, your your career is at risk uh, if, yeah. if that's what it is. Um, let's talk about, uh, you know, I want to do a fun, fun segue for a little bit since we're both Marvel fans. I'm going to name some Marvel characters and you say the department that you think that that person would work in with an organization. All right. So, uh, what department or what role in marketing, uh, Captain America? 
Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'll I work. Say, I, I, I would say, um, I would say FPNA. Okay. Iron, Iron Man. IT. IT. Black Widow. Yeah, IT, IT works for that. What about Black Widow? BizDev. BizDev. I would have gotten there, or, too. Actually, you know what? CorpDev. CorpDev. Okay. <laughs> what about... Let's let's go with Hulk. Ooh, uh, sales. Sales. Yeah. yeah. This would be... Be fun. <laughs> connect connect the dots. I don't know if I don't know if it would fully work through the whole MCU. Uh, let's talk about experimentation. Sure. One of the things that's pretty interesting in sales is you have a sales team, just like any sports team. Back to that, um, some people put up the numbers and some don't, and you have to experiment in sales as you grow your sales team to bring in different types of sellers even though you're going to train them in that type of stuff, but not every seller performs. In fact, as a percentage, most miss quota. Now, I don't know if that's the quota or if that's the performance, but those those benchmarks are out there. Marketing. Every marketing program is not successful. You know that, Ken. Uh, so what? how do you create a, a culture of experimentation? Because we have to try things, whether it's hiring salespeople or even a BDR team if we don't have one, and we need to run marketing campaigns that may or may not work. What's your thoughts around creating a culture of, of sales and marketing experimenting together? Yeah, it's great question, David. I think when um, when I look back at my career and even in my current situation here, again, you know, when, when, when you're doing an experiment and you're collaborating with sales, there is a component where um, somebody's actually doing the testing. And in this situation, two, two, two teams are doing the testing, right? Marketing is doing the testing of generating leads from a variety of different lead sources, but then sales is doing the testing of, okay, are these leads actually producing something? And, and the reality is in this day and age where marketing is generating so much inbound interest by capitalizing on market and brand demand, the reality is that um, when you give certain inside sales teams inbound leads, which for all intents and purposes are high converting. I don't, I don't think there's an industry out there where if somebody's reaching out to you where it's not, not high converting. Right. And so, you know, in, in particular, you know, um, you know, phone calls or web chats or whatnot, those are gold leads. And so when you think about these gold leads and you think about how you want to scale a program and then you insert lower converting leads into that program, a sales rep's never going to give a time of day who's already getting these gold leads. They're going to focus mm. on the gold leads, right? Yeah. Uh, same, same, you know, same, I think it was the same 50 years ago, right? Glen Gary leads, right? It's all about those, right? And so, but at the same time, marketing and sales is commissioned to grow and to grow fast. So then marketing has to look at all these other lead sources to invest in. And so, you know, when I think about how we experiment, it's by experimenting in a very methodical and sort of straight and narrow path, right? Where if we actually generate leads that we believe are lower converting than inbound leads, but they can help scale the organization, we're not gonna give these leads to the inbound team that's mm -hmm. converting gold, right? We wanna give them to a dedicated team that um, when they perceive those leads, while they may look like coal to the inbound team, they look like gold to that other team. And so um, 
And in doing so, if they are being fed their perception of these leads, our goal, they're going to give it the time of day. They're going to give it the cadence. They're going to give it, you know, their thorough pipeline management mm-hmm. and eventually convert. And that's what we've been seeing currently at my current situation here where, you know, we've been able to scale our pipeline pretty significantly by the trust of sales saying, you know, you know, into marketing that, okay, marketing, we're going to, we're going to trust you that these leads, they will convert. And they and the sales team has dedicated resources with a particular sales group that says, okay, we're going to only focus on leads. And right now, that combination of the two, where that trust uh, in that experiment, the trust in the you know um, experience, uh, experience of the marketers that are running the programs, the trust in the sales leadership that are that are managing the reps, is all in alignment, and and we're and we're growing like like bonkers. Nice. You feel like you guys are winning there. We are, we are. And, uh, you know, I think I said a statement earlier on in just in terms of reading the room and in this past year and a half during the pandemic, I think the question that I'd ask all your listeners is, you know, have you done everything to capitalize uh, on market demand, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think about it every single day. Yeah. Like, do I, you know, do I have every single program that's out there, you know, that can capitalize on market demand? Because it's, it's hard to create brand demand especially in a sector where there's so many competitors, Yeah. right? In, right. in telco alone, there's call it 50, 50 to a hundred, yeah. whether they're direct or, you know, um, sort of tertiary competitors. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's tough to create brand demand in that situation. And yeah. so, especially when there's, you know, 800 pound gorillas that are buying all the share of voice out there. Right. Yeah. And so you really have to capitalize on market demand and you can't do that by not having a perspective of, just reading the room, right? Yeah. Is, is the way that I like to think about it. So, do you spend? We talk a lot about sales, and and that's certainly a th- theme focus for this episode in terms of that partnership and that relationship and working together. I want to talk about sales enablement in a moment, but I will ask you: What about customer success or customer service? You know, the install base in terms of your your viewpoint on the relationship with with that team and the leaders there. Yeah, that's the second door I knock when I enter an organization, right? Okay. Because yeah, that second door and just in terms of getting their feedback as it relates to what the customers are saying in terms mm-hmm. of their current experience, uh, the frustrations that they might have, uh, and hopefully all the positives that creates advocates that hopefully then creates also referrals. And so again, when I think about the role to your point earlier about how vast marketing has become mm-hmm. and the role that marketing plays across every single function where you know, th- there is a component of every single marketing function that is driving revenue or supporting the drive to generate revenue. And in customer marketing, it's the same thing, right? Because if we can reduce attrition through, you know, having a great onboarding experience, you know, feeding, uh, feeding great content to our customers. And then, you know, in, in, in those situations where they are experiencing, having a great experience, where then they're also generating referrals, that's generating revenues top in and also from the bottom, right? And so, um, so it's definitely uh, a core part of, of how I, how I view marketing in general, where if I got a revenue line, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm looking at all, <laughs> yeah. all ways to generate revenue. Right. right. So, yeah, we should, uh, whether it's, you know, let's just say coming up on the next episode, I think it's going to be the next episode. I have an interview with Sangram Vajray and, and Sangram's got a new book that's just about to hit. And we talk about that three-legged stool, sales, marketing, and customer success. So you guys make sure you turn into that episode. We're also going to talk about his MOVE uh, framework. 
Ken, last topic for you, since we're talking about sales, I wanted to come back to that sales enablement piece. Mm -hmm. One, you know, there are so many different tools for sales enablement. There need to be processes for sales enablement. Uh, BDR teams, SDR teams sometimes report into marketing, sometimes report into sales. Um, I've heard horror stories about people spending great money, whether it's Sales Navigator, Zoom Info, different technologies, and rolling them out to sales, not to be met with great adoption and, and usage. And I've heard amazing stories of synergy and uh, sales teams really using these these tools. What are your What are your thoughts on sales enablement these days? Whether it's people, process, technology, but I'm I know that's a passion of yours. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, no matter what tools I think any team uses, um, it, it definitely comes down to um, a word that I use a lot lately in my career, which is rigor, right? And so, um, you know, across marketing programs or sales enablement programs, uh, making sure that things are being utilized, I think is the biggest question mark that any marketer has, right? And so when it comes to sales enablement, it's like we create all these great, you know, create all these great assets where, you know, we believe that they're great and whatnot, and uh, are they being effective? And so um, are they being used? And so that really comes down to, I think, the rigor of a marketing manager that's creating the content um, to ensure that they are properly rolling out that content templates collateral to every single sales rep that is in their you know, scope of influence, as well as down to the managers of those reps to create a larger, you know, sort of integrated campaign, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, it, uh, you know, fundamentally, I think this whole conversation really comes down to David at the end of the day is the trust and tr trust and uh, transparency yeah. through, through sales leadership and through marketing leadership. Because yeah. I think once that happens, everything sort of flows right from it, right? Yeah. Where, um, 100%. Everyone is aligned. So, yeah. There are things I've said over the years to, to recap on. One is, um, build a relationship with the head of sales. If you're a marketing leader or you're in the marketing team, get, go to lunch with you, whether it's virtual lunch or just lunch, you like spend quality time with your counterparts in the sales organization and treat them as literally an extension of your team and treat them as part of your, your brain trust. I mean, all of us belong, uh, I think at some point to different groups, different communities, we get involved, whether it's in our local community or business, like to form a group uh, between sales and marketing. And like I said, customer success, um, one team, yeah. go to shows together, trade shows together and, and participate in meetings in those environments, have the sales team spend time in the booth uh, and have the, the marketing team sit in on client pitches in the suites or wherever those are getting done learn what the other person has to do within their roles. Uh, it gives you much greater appreciation for it. You know, sales for you to know what marketing has to do when they pull off a webinar, just, just the programming aspects of the content, uh, the marketing automation system, the registration page and all that, just getting some insight uh, to that is, is, is helpful and, and vice versa. The more that we walk in each other's shoes, uh, it's one of the reasons like, you know, Coke and other companies make sure that leaders within their organization, McDonald's does this as well, that you come up through the ranks and you work in these different roles and positions so you can be that much more effective as a manager, as a leader. And I believe for, for us to work together in sales and marketing, we need to walk in each other's shoes. Uh, from sales enablement, like if you're rolling out some fancy piece of technology uh, that's new or different, you may not know what it's like for a sales rep to to try to remember how to launch that application or where it is and how they do it. And 
you have new salespeople that come on and did they receive the same type of training when you rolled it out? So you got to make sure, like you said, the rigor, great word. You, you really have to consistently train and work on adoption and get the feedback in marketing on the sales tools that you're, you're rolling out. Good, good stuff, Ken. Uh, well, congratulations on the new campaign that you guys are launching the UMA campaign. Uh, and, and your success in your career, you've, you've, you've landed at some great spots and sounds like over the years, had some really good, uh, teammates that you have worked with that help you take your game, uh, to the next level. Well, uh, let's wrap on a question for next year, uh, with, with the calendar year right around the corner. Mm-hmm. What's something that is either new or something that you're doing that you're looking to dive into and, and take to the next level? Um, I think I'm going to take my uh, recent approach to eating less meat more rigorously. <laughs> wow. All right. Backing off on meat. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, getting, getting on the, getting on the all, all pea protein, all pea protein regimen. How's that? <laughs> okay. Plant, plant-based then diet or? Plant-based diet. Yeah. Exactly. Really? Exactly. All right. Ken, great seeing you. Thank you for joining me on the program. Thanks for having me, David. Absolutely. Uh, And for you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I mentioned the YouTube channel in the beginning. We're we're up over now 1,300 subscribers, and we would not be there if it wasn't for you guys uh, who tune into the podcast and everyone else who's coming to demandgen.tv and watching the MarTech demos. Um, Done about six episodes lately uh, about data orchestration. I talk a lot about marketing automation, talk a lot about CRM and the importance of those tools. And I and I said in those episodes and, and wanted to make sure that you saw some emerging technology and some of the more established technology. I uh, showed three ring lead videos who, and they just got acquired by, by Zoom Info. There's a lot of tools and technologies that you in marketing and sales just need to really get your arms around. And, and data is here to stay, as you guys know. And so data orchestration tools, check that out. But I want to thank you guys for hitting that subscribe button uh, a couple of you drop comments, uh, which which I like to read with my team and respond to. So thank you for the engagement there. And if you haven't connected with Ken and want to have him in your network, Ken Narita, again, on today's program. And uh, look, I'd love to be connected with you if we're not already. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.